Napoleon once said, when asked to explain the lack of great statesmen in the world, that to get power, you need to display absolute pettiness. To exercise power, you need to show true greatness. Such pettiness and such greatness are rarely found in one person. I look upon the events of the past weeks, and I've never come so to grips with that quotation. For ladies and gentlemen of this Congress, it pains my soul to tell you that you have brought blood and shame under this great dome. Your leadership has raised the stakes of hate to a level where we can no longer separate the demagogue from the truly inspired. And believe this, there are traitors among us. And I'm not talking about those of you who sided against your party leadership. I'm talking about those of you who were patriots to your party, but traitors to the necessary end result, that of righteousness, the truth. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. We open up with that clip from the movie The Contender because I think it's talking about what we're witnessing in our country right now. And, of course, uh, the red rocker from the city of Fontana, Sammy Hagar, gave us I Can't Drive 55, and I think uh, all of us in the studio, we can't drive We can't drive 55, not even when we're on our bikes. So, uh, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about what's going on this week and what's going to happen between now and the next uh, four and a half weeks, is it? Um, till, uh, till election day, we're going to talk about that stuff. Get you guys thinking, right? Get you guys, uh, clear on, on, on the common sense of the country. And so you don't listen to, to all the other dummies on the, on the, uh, on the media sending you the wrong way. You're going to hear some straight talk on the main event. So you'll know exactly what to think. You don't even have to, you don't even have to question it. You just say, Ed said it. <clears throat> so anyway, let me introduce myself first, uh, my, my name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, lending in California and Arizona, also uh, coming up Ohio, Nevada, Texas, and Florida, all probably before the end of the year. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and once again, I'll tell you, there are fantastic opportunities out there. The, the real estate market has turned into a buyer's market in the last uh, month and a half, two months. And if you're thinking about buying a house, call me, get pre-qualified and go write some aggressive offers. Go in lower, ask your realtor to see, hey, has this one had a, a price reduction lately? If it hasn't, offer less. Ask for closing costs. Um, for some reason, people are have just backed off and the sellers are ready to deal to get their houses moving. Uh, and one in particular is uh, Maxim Properties that we do a ton of business with, and we are uh, the preferred lender for that. Um, look at MaximProperties.net. Look at all, find all their properties. Tons of turnkey, ready to move into, uh, completely rehabbed properties out there, and they are ready to make to make deals because just properties aren't moving for some reason. Rates are going up. Don't wait for them to get to get hired and reduce your uh, your buying power. So anyway, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, give me a call 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone, you want to start start the uh, the cyber way, go to wccloans.com, click on uh, looking for a loan. 
Uh, apply now. Fill in all the information you want me to have. Tell me, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, or Aaron Fredericks, and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. If you hear something on the show that you want repeated, you can get the podcast at, at edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, or you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can uh, actually uh, uh, subscribe for free, have it download once a week to your uh, your phone, your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on. Uh, follow me on follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman. Uh, follow the like the, uh, the the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, I think that's it. If you hear something that, uh, if you hear something that, uh, inspires you to give a call then, uh, and, and give you, give me your comments on the show. The listener hotline is 855-640-2092. With that, with that, let me, uh, let everybody know in the studio with me once again is my sidekick, Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes and Rialto and Redland. Scotty. Ed, it's tough. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so let's, let's talk about, you know, uh, Controversial rapper Kanye West continues to show support for President Trump. As musical guest on Saturday Night Live's season premiere, he closed the show with his song Ghost Town. I'm not really a big uh, Kanye West or any other uh, rapper. Uh, 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 any You're not other a fan rap- of rap? I'm not, I'm not a rap guy, but, <laughs> but uh, this time he went on stage wearing a red Make America Great hat. Viewers saw the musical performance only because NBC cut the rest. So uh, his, his uh, and later we learned that 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 he had said because he gave a pro-Trump speech while Saturday Night Live cast members awkwardly stood behind him. Let's hear it. They bullied me. They bullied me backstage. They said, don't go out there with that hat on. They bullied me backstage. They bullied me. And then they say, I'm in a sunken place. You want to see the sunken place? Okay, I'm going to listen to y'all now. Or I'm going to put my Superman cape on. Because this means you can't tell me what to do. Follow your heart and stop following your mind. That's how we're controlled. That's how we're programmed. If you want the world to move forward, try love. Thank y'all for giving me this platform. I know some of y'all don't agree, but y'all be going at that man neck a lot. And I don't think it's actually that helpful. I think the universe has balance. 90% of news are liberal. 90% of TV, LA, New York, writers, rappers, musicians. So it's easy to make it seem like it's so, so, so one-sided. And uh, I feel kind of free. I thought this country said I could be me. I love me too. I love me too. <laughs> you know, this this guy is obviously one of the most influential people in the black community. And this is actually huge, Ed. It's huge. It is. Because every time this guy opens up his mouth, I think the approval ratings go up 10% of the black community for Trump. I, I, like, I, I like Kanye now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things I don't like that he's done in the past, but I'll give him credit. He don't care what anybody thinks. No, he doesn't. He's got. He's definitely got courage. That's for sure. Reminds interestingly me of enough, us. yeah, it does kind of remind you of us. Um, but we don't have his platform, obviously. Uh, it is interesting that uh, NBC didn't want you to hear that, though, Ed. Don't you think that's a little, uh, little yeah, peculiar? Yeah, very peculiar. 
And uh, yeah, it's. I, this, I would. I would. This, encourage- is, this is what's happening in the in the media, folks, today. So take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Absolutely. As you know, we're committed to doing whatever we can to ensure a red wave in November, and that means giving a platform to as many Republicans as possible. You've already heard from Aja Smith a couple times, who's running to beat Democrat Mark Takano. Takano in the 41st District, that's uh, Riverside, Paris, <laughs> Moreno Valley, and uh, but in another part of the Inland Empire, Republican Sean Flynn is fighting to beat Democrat Pete Aguilar in the 31st Congressional District, which is Redlands, Ranch Cucamonga, Loma Linda, Grand Terrace, Rialto, Colton, and San Bernardino. And actually, one of my uh, listeners called in on the on the uh, listener hotline and requested that we get Sean Flynn in here. So uh, in the June primary. Uh, Flynn uh, led Aguilar by 83 votes. Hopefully, uh, he'll keep up that edge all the, and have an easy win in on November 6. Sean Flynn, welcome to the main event. Hey guys, thank you for being letting me on. This is the, you know, thanks for promoting Republican candidates, and um, I hope you don't grill me too hard here. We've seen a lot of that recently. Well, we're uh, we're uh, of the uh, we don't really. We don't really care what happens. We just want America to uh, to still be around for our kids and our grandkids. So it's not really it's not really. Hey, we're just trying to push for Republicans, but that is actually what we're doing. So uh, so hey, your bio is very impressive. You've had a successful career, founded startup businesses and nonprofits. You taught at Vassar College in New York, and now at Scripps College in Claremont. You sit on San Bernardino County Pension Board to protect the retirement of county residents, and you're the author of a book, Economics for Dummies. In your opinion, what are the biggest issues of the 31st district that, that they're facing right now? Okay, well, it, it depends where in the 31st you are, and I got to represent everyone, and I want to take our problems really seriously. So, um, to begin with, City of San Bernardino coming out of bankruptcy, having to cut its police force 70%, highest murder rate in America in 2016. San Bernardino needs help and federal help, in my opinion. We can get into the weeds there later. Um, in general, we need a lot more infrastructure out here. You know, the the infill is happening, right? There's hardly any farms left. Um, we're building big box centers. We're building malls. We're building housing. Need a lot more infrastructure there. The schools need better funding, more focused funding. Um, and so, you know, I'm very big on education and job creation and vocational training. And all of those are things the federal government could really help out with here. Yeah, I mean, you look at San Bernardino, God, it looks like Detroit, you know, and that wasn't always the case. San Bernardino used to be like one of the one of the top cities in the United States to live. And now it's got to be near the bottom. I mean, it looks terrible. When was that? What actually was what about 30, 30, 40 years ago, San Bernardino was actually you don't even remember, but San Bernardino was actually a great city. Um, and and it just gone through this slow decline. And unlike Detroit, though, it almost seems like nobody nobody really cares about what happens to San Bernardino, you know, and it's just it's an, I have a good friend who's a homicide detective out there. So I know what you're talking about with the, the high crime rates. I mean, I hear about it firsthand. I always thought uh, San Bernardino was kind of a design by guys on acid in the 60s because there's there's no logical reason for which way any of the streets run. <laughs> But we digress. So go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Sean. What about uh, all the other areas of your district? Well, I mean, you know, there are places like Rancho Cucamonga where the schools are good and things are booming. Um, a lot of cities are like that, really well run at the local level. But um, there's this looming pension disaster um, coming down the line for the entire state. The state pensions are a trillion dollars underfunded, which and they will take money away from the local government. They have the right to do that in order to boost the pensions. And so you know, I think, you know, we're in a nice economic boom right now. And this should be like the story of Joseph reading the Pharaoh's dreams, right? If you're going to have seven fat years followed by seven lean, we really need to get on the ball right now and build the infrastructure we're going to need for the lean years, get the schools in order, make sure there's going to be enough jobs. Um, 
because yeah, when that pension crisis hits, um, we're in really big trouble if we go in unprepared. Uh, I would I would think so. The district is home to Loma Linda VA Hospital, and I noticed that improving the VA is one of your platform issues. Uh, how do you hope to improve the quality of life for our vets? Well, you know, both my parents served. I was born in an Air Force base. Um, my mom is still alive and still very much able to access the VA. And, you know, as you talk to a lot of veterans, um, there's been some really good positive things going on. And, you know, and also let me just state that the quality of VA services varies massively from country from uh, state to state and from hospital to hospital so we're blessed to actually have one of the best performing ones in the entire country at Loma Linda but system-wide they're real problems and the thing I hear the biggest complaints about from veterans isn't actually on the healthcare delivery side the VA's actually got two big bureaucracies one is to deliver the health care and run the hospitals the other is basically a record-keeping exercise so that, you know, vets can prove, you know, their level of disabilities and how much medical coverage they should be getting. And that's still being run on pencil and paper, and it's incredibly slow, and it can take years for vets to get the, the benefits they deserve. So I would love to go to Congress and just tell them, hey, it's the 21st century, you're going to electronic records, and we're also going to try and stay ahead of things, right? If you know there's a bunch of Vietnam veterans who served in this particular unit that was exposed to Agent Orange, well, you should get ahead of that. Before any of those veterans contact you, you should already get all their records prepared so that when they walk in the door and say, hey, I'm ill from this, you're, you, you can instantly say, yes, you're right, and you're approved from unlimited treatment to take care of you because you served your country, and we wanted to be prepared just like you were when you helped us. So let's let's say the people of the 31st District show up in November 6th and they actually put you in office. What, what are your first priorities? What what's going to be the top priority for you once you go to Washington? As you know, probably from reading my bio and stuff, I'm a big healthcare reform guy, and both parties have failed, in my opinion, on this. And um, our healthcare costs should be about 70, 75 percent lower. Um, that the, the whole system with the drug manufacturers and the pharmaceuticals and these outrageous prices for everything—it's all driven by monopolies that are, uh, you know, allowed under the current system. We need to shut that down. You know, I'm a Republican, but, you know, people got to remember we were the party that actually put in all the food and safety regulations, all the anti-monopoly rules. And we need to get back to that. Right. Because we can't have the country overrun like some third world country like, you know, where there's the giant cement company or the giant oil company that actually runs the place. We need to get back to actual competition. And so I would love to institute that in healthcare because all that money that's currently going to the pharmaceutical companies and the device manufacturers, and everything that would go back into the pockets of average ordinary people. We go back to an economy where the average person could expect pay increases every year. Whereas right now for the last 30 years, if you only have a high school degree in America, your wages are down 25% while the cost of housing skyrocketed, healthcare, education, vocational training. We've made America unaffordable and unlivable for the majority of people. And that's why you see so much political anger out there, in my opinion. And we can fix that. We can make, everything prosperous again if we just unleash the American people and their creativity and the competition. Now, San Bernardino continues to be the breeding ground for drugs, shootings, and gangs, as, uh, as, uh. as we uh, kind of touched on a, a, couple of, uh, a couple of minutes ago. You and Aguilar both have called on President Trump to give San Bernardino more uh, federal police resources, especially since the city has uh, cut their, because their bankruptcy, as you just mentioned, that they lost 70% of their police. But you pointed out that Pete Aguilar is already the congressman, so why hasn't he done anything to work for to get federal resources? 
Well, you know, a person, a human being only has a limited amount of time, and uh, they should spend a lot of it helping other people, and especially if you're a sitting congressman. But Pete is climbing the rungs of power, right? He got himself onto appropriation in the second term. He was deputy whip under Pelosi for the last year and a half, you know, part of Democrat Party uh, leadership in the House. And he's now announced that he's going to try and become vice chair. So the number four person after Pelosi in the Democratic Party leadership, if you're spending all your time doing that and raising the money to get those positions, because, by the way, to do that, it's not just you run for it internally, but you run for it internally and give them a million or two million dollars of your own campaign cash. Right. It's, it's you actually buy the position internally. Um, Pete's too busy advancing his own career to actually take care of this district, and I'm offended by that. So what you're saying is once the Democrat machine starts feeding you campaign cash, if you don't spend it, you give it to Pelosi or, or some of the higher-ups, and that's how you, uh, how you buy yourself into higher positions? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It is. And actually, let me not just, you know, hit the Democrats on this. This is true on the Republican side, too. If you see anyone who's a major committee chairperson, um, that is a prolific fundraiser. And what happens internally is your own party taxes you if you're a prolific fundraiser and then hands down the cash to people who aren't good at fundraising so they could get reelected and therefore they can have a majority. Right. So the big fundraisers are the cash cows for the, the people who aren't good fundraisers. And but this what this means, though, is the country ends up being governed in these committees, not by the people who know the issues best, but by the people who are better on the phone talking to billionaires. Interesting. Well, interesting. This, and this kind of leads into the next question, uh, which is that, you know, a lot of politicians, once they get into Washington, they tend to forget their own districts. And it almost seems like a lot of these people, they can't vote the way maybe they're really their heart really tells them to. They have to vote the way the party tells them to vote. So the point the point is, how will you once you get in there? not forget your own district? Well, first of all, the, the, the key point is that you need people who are not career politicians. My opponent, Pete Aguilar, was literally a banking lobbyist before they put $200,000 in a pack that they created just for him to run him for Congress. He now puts in legislation for them. Like last year, the only thing he did on appropriations was write a rider for them that got them exempted from banking regulations, right, which were consumer protection regulations. So, you know, that that is typical career politician behavior. And, you know, if he treats that industry nice when he's in Congress, whenever he eventually loses, um, then he gets to have a nice job with them, right? They'll give him a million-dollar job at some bank. Now, that that's what's wrong. There are people there that are advancing their career. So you need to get people in like me who just want to fix the health care system, want to make sure San Bernardino is safe. And, you know, in terms of commitments to, you know, try and prove to people that I'm really sincere about that, um, the first thing, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to term limit myself. That's one thing. Um, I'm also only going to take the average salary of a household in the district. The rest of the money, right, and Congress people get paid really well. It's $170,000 a year. The rest is going to go to charity. Um, and then finally, I just, I'm going to promise to make myself accessible to the voters in the district, right? We've got an incumbent right now whose office does not return phone calls, that office does not return emails. And 80% of what a congressperson and their staff should be doing is completely nonpartisan. It's just taking calls from constituents, finding out their problems. You know, there's a problem getting a visa. There's a problem getting a business license. Or why is this thing going on in Washington? and calling through the bureaucracy and just straightening things out. And we have a representative right now who's not doing that because he's too busy fundraising and trying to advance his own career. I think we have a lot of Congress people that aren't doing that. I have a lot of, I think there's a lot of Congress people that really don't, really don't even uh, respond to any of that stuff. But I'm thinking of Mark DeConnell right off the top. 
but uh, absolutely, this is a this is a new concept in Congress, people. Yeah, I was going to say too, and you said you're going to term limit yourself. So what do you what do you mean by that? One um, term? So what are I'm we thinking, talking about? No, three three terms. Okay, I think it's plenty. Yeah, six right. years. And okay. then what? And you know, like take, I think Trey Gowdy was in there six years, right? Got a ton of stuff done, right? Protected the country. You, you, if, if someone actually is concentrating on, you know, and actually it focuses the mind, right? If you know you've, you've only got three terms, well, you better get something done real fast, right? You're not just going to kick the can down the line and try and get a committee chairmanship and pretend that in 20 years when there's a major issue, you'll be in a position to fix things, right? We need to fix things right now. Absolutely. So you're you're an economist. Uh, what would what would you do to help grow the local economy here in San Bernardino County? Okay, some of these things are longer term, some are shorter term. We need a lot more vocational training in our schools. We've we've virtually gotten rid of that. Um, it's honorable work, and it's really high paying, right? I I, I gave a talk the other day at a church um, over in uh, Rialto, and a young man came up. He spent three or four years in the Marines and got out and went to welding school. Um, it was only six months of welding school, I think you said. And he, he's paid 80 bucks an hour now. 80, $80 an hour, right? Nothing wrong with that. Average, nothing, right? And he's only like 23, 24. So this is a, a person who's going to be able to get a great start in life. He'll probably have a mortgage in a couple years, easily be able to afford kids and a family. We need a lot of that right now. And those jobs are actually going begging right now. If you go talk to local manufacturers and business people, they, they've got empty positions that they can't fill because the workers with the skills just simply haven't been trained up yet. So yeah. that, that is one, one huge thing there. Um, another is we need to think, and you know, this, this would require regional governments too, and the, the, the local and the state, but if you want, you know, uh, an economy where there's a lot of high paying jobs, you need to build the infrastructure for that economy. And so what I'm trying to get at is if you build nothing but big box buildings and distribution centers, you're only going to get distribution jobs paying 15 bucks an hour at most. If you want this to look, say, more like Orange County, right, where you say there's a 100-person accounting firm, right, well, you need buildings where someone who's running a 100-person accounting firm in Orange County can just say, hey, yeah, I'm going to move to San Bernardino or I'm going to move to Redlands or I'm going to move to Upland. But they can't do that if all you've got is big box distribution buildings going up because there's literally not the office space they need. So we also need to really think through our growth initiatives out here and actually build the kind of infrastructure and buildings that would attract these businesses. Um, and then finally, if you get San Bernardino, the crime problem and the homelessness problem under control, that place will boom again. There's so many unused empty buildings there. There's old factories that could be reoccupied very quickly. But that won't happen if people are too afraid to live there, too afraid to work there. And so I think that's a huge priority for the entire region is to make sure that that city in particular is safe again. Sean, we just got a few seconds left, but tell us why people, even outside of your district, should care about your race. In my opinion, when you look at logistics, yours is one of the closest races in the country that could actually flip a blue seat red. Why should people outside of your district care? Because the House of Representatives is in play, and it would be a huge deal to flip a seat this year. The Republicans are almost certainly going to lose some House seats, but it's not clear right now whether or not they'll lose enough to lose the House. Um, it could end up dead even or within one or two votes, and so this seat really matters. This is, in, in, in that sense, a national election. You know, I'm running for the district and there's people here, but for people outside, and I'm glad you brought that up, this seat matters. And so I would love support from any and all quarters if they think that a pro-growth, low-tax, worker-focused, 
um, clean environment focused kind of Congress is what you want going forward because the alternative is stark. The other side is literally pitching socialism, which invariably only leads you towards Venezuela. Okay, in five seconds or less, how do people help you? Oh, SeanFlynnForCongress.com. Please hit the donate button. Also, call in and we can put you to work walking, contacting your neighbors, putting up signs. There's so much to do. It's a real ground roots effort. We've got 500 people working on the campaign right now, and we could use a lot more. Okay, SeanFlynnForCongress.com. You got it. Yeah, and uh, folks, uh, these guys, uh, these guys, if it's $5 or it's $500, uh, go ahead and uh, and donate, and let's make a difference. It's uh, we have a lot on the a lot on the line. Sean, thanks for joining us on the main event. And okay, we'll, guys, thank you so much. We're rooting for you on November sixth. Okay, we're gonna win. We're gonna win. It's gonna be great. All right, folks, listen. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, sports, and uh, commercials. We'll be right back with you with part two of the main event. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Don't talk about uh, real estate or financing very much on the radio because I think you guys think it's boring and uh, unless you're in the market. But if you're in the market and you want to talk to someone who uh, thinks like you, whether you're refinancing, getting a reverse mortgage or buying something new while there's uh, while there's fantastic opportunities, it's, a, it's turned to a buyer's market now. Uh, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone but you want some information, go to WCC Loans and search around. Search around, and uh, I'll get you all taken care of. For those of you just joining us uh, in the studio with me, is uh, as I often have, my uh, sidekick, uh, Scott McAfee, uh, owner of Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands. One of the top 100 bike shops in America. Scotty, we're having too much fun. Absolutely. Ed's going to be back in the house. All right. So uh, let's talk about So we uh, we talked to, we talked with Sean Flynn from uh, the 31st District in the first half. And uh, let's talk about what's going on in this country because it's been pretty uh, colorful this week. On uh, Friday, I'm kind of starting, I'm kind of starting from, the, from uh, the end of the week, and then we'll go back to the beginning of the week. But uh, we're kind of rewriting because when we rewrote, when we wrote this, Stuff hadn't happened yet. So on Friday, the Senate held their cloture vote for Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation, which the cloture vote apparently seems to be the vote before the vote. It's a vote to make sure you're going to vote. Exactly. We should okay. uh, we should take it. It's a, a tough job in the Senate, Ed. It's like when you come God. back from vacation, you need a weekend to rest up from the weekend. Hmm. But the weekend was supposed to rest up after the week. <laughs> I don't know. It's sounding to start like Democrats. So, uh, so uh, the thing passed fifty-one to forty-nine. Uh, all the Republicans voted for the uh, for Brett Kavanaugh, except Alaska Congress, uh, Alaska Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski, who is one of the uh, the four they were worried about. Uh, the other three voted for it, and that would be Susan Collins and uh, Jeff Flake. And uh, oh, the other one was was the other swing vote was a, a Democrat, and that was uh, Joe Manchin. And he voted for for it. So so the all the Democrats voted against, except for Joe Manchin from West Virginia, most likely because his state is 
pretty uh, pretty pro-Trump, and he's thinking about getting reelected in four weeks. I don't understand how he got there in the first place, to be honest. I mean, if it's a pro-Trump district, why is there a Democrat even in that seat? Does that make any sense to you? I I wonder, because he votes so often with the Republicans, I guess. how he became a— well, Why doesn't he switch parties, then? That's That would be the logical thing for me. I'm not really— mm-hmm. I'm not really that versed on Joe Manchin other than I see he's always he's the one guy that's always split out. He's kind of like, uh, um, well, I guess he's like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. The, they don't know what party they belong to. Exactly. And, Je- and Jeff Flake is is only a swing vote because he's actually quitting. Um, and as I understand the stories from Jeff Flake over the years, he's getting out because he hates Trump. Um he did stand up and say, "Hey, we really don't have any. Uh, we really don't have any evidence that any of this stuff that is uh, Kavanaugh's uh, accused of means anything." So I'm a yes vote. And then uh, he got encountered by some uh, some activist women on in the uh, in the elevator, and he goes, "Well, okay, but I would really like it if the if the FBI investigated. If we took one more week and let them investigate, and they gave like four names, four names that they wanted investigated." Uh, talked to, and I think the FBI talked to nine or ten, and uh, and nobody's happy. So, uh, so the FBI found nothing to back up Christine Blasey Ford's claims about the party that happened sometime, sometime in 1982 at a house she can't really identify with people who all told the FBI they weren't there and don't remember it. Uh, I can tell you some parties I was at when I was 15, and I'm older than uh, Blasey Ford, um, so that was uh, 42 years ago for me. And I can tell you pretty specifics, and I had more than one beer. But before we knew the FBI findings, President Trump chimed in on Blasey Ford's claims at a rally on Tuesday. Remember, he's just summarizing how Dr. Ford herself answered the questions at last week's hearing. 36 years ago, this happened. I had one beer, right? I had one beer. Well, do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And everybody seems to have their their uh, knickers in a twist, their panties in a bunch. They all got twisted out out upside down over this. He didn't make fun of her voice, which I've actually heard someone on Rush Limbaugh play somebody who tweeted out a voice, uh, some voice actress that that made fun of her voice and how she played the victim. And he didn't do any of that stuff. All he did was repeat her answers. You know, um, I'm going to say, I try, I want to try and be fair. When anybody makes accusations like this, you want to hear what they have to say, but I'm going to say what I haven't heard anybody say thus far. Kathleen Ford is a fraud, a freaking fraud. Uh, and, and at first it seemed a little suspicious when just the timing of this whole thing, you know, at first, okay, what, why, why come out with this stuff now? She deleted all of her social media stuff, which, okay, what does that tell me? She probably got rid of all those pictures of her running around with, with a pink hat on in Washington, DC, the people we got to mingle with. Exactly. Several we, years we, rem- ago. we remember we bumped into her. Absolutely. Yeah. She was the one with the pink hat and the, and the, and the, and the blonde hair in front of her face. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. The, the, the strangest thing, though, was all these people that she's claimed were there, and these are potential witnesses, all of them said that they weren't there and they don't recall any of this stuff. Uh, th- this is just a joke. It's it's a joke. And I also, I'm going to predict that this is going to come back to, to backfire on the Democrats. Um, I think a lot of rational people are looking at this and going, okay, you're you're trying to destroy this guy's life. There's nothing to these accusations. And maybe I, maybe I don't want anything to do with this party after all. I think it's uh, I think how it's going to backfire on the on the Democrats is it's firing up the Republican base 
because we see how how ruthless these guys are. They they don't care they don't care what it takes, who they destroy. They want their way, and if they're not getting their way, they're going to do whatever they can. They're going to run over whoever. They sound like a bunch of Hillary Clintons, you know. Hey, if you're in our way, we're just you're just going to show up uh, with a with a bullet in the back of your head. Had you uh, uh, committed suicide with a bullet in the back of your head, shot yourself in the back. Uh, I don't know, and you know, and there's no repercussions. So these people come out with these BS claims. They don't have anything behind them, and we'll talk more about the specifics. But as long as there's no repercussions. Hillary didn't have to play, pay for the stuff she did. No one at the DNC had to pay for the, the fraud they committed against uh, Trump and against the party and against uh, Bernie Sanders. Nobody's had to pay anything. Nobody gets prosecuted for anything if you're a Democrat. There's no repercussions for any of this stuff. I think they ought to, they ought to, someone ought, you know, if nothing else, then Brett Kavanaugh should file a defamation of character lawsuit against all three of them. And uh, including uh, that uh, Avenetti guy, the the attorney, and put some people in jail. Hey, if you've got a legitimate, if you got something legitimate, bring it out. You have rights, but if it's all BS and you bring it out and try to destroy somebody's life, there's some consequences for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you heard about the new accusations from uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? By the way, uh, no. She claims she was groped by Abraham Lincoln. I didn't realize she was on the Supreme Court that long. He was a he, Lincoln was a tall guy. He could have he could have, he could have groped her from way across the room and you know through a crowd and no one would really know. So maybe Sorry. maybe not that tall. The media was quick to get an opinion on this of this of the swing vote Republicans on the Judi- Judiciary Committee, i.e. Susan Collins and Jeff Flake. Here's what they said. The president's comments were just plain wrong. To discuss something this sensitive uh, at a political rally is just uh, it's just not right. It's kind of appalling. Everybody was worried that this was going to swing their votes. No, he's right. It's not right. It's funny as hell, actually. And it's also quite accurate. I mean, those were her answers to the questions, Ed. And, you know, it's not right because we're not used to politicians or presidents saying what's on our mind. No, exactly. Being and so candid, Ed. Yeah, and, and exactly what I said, saying what's on our mind. He's thinking the same things we are. He's bringing it out. It's okay to tell the truth. You don't have to sugarcoat everything. It's okay to tell the truth, and that's why President Trump will get reelected. And, but it makes some people uncomfortable, Ed, to hear those sorts of things. Well, too freaking bad. <laughs> too freaking bad. You don't. You don't. You want to be comfortable? Then uh, I don't know. Get a go buy a nicer chair. Uh, go buy a numbers bed. Uh, so then the investigation was uh, was complete. Democrats got the FBI investigation they whined about wanting for two weeks, but because it didn't give them the results that they wanted, wasn't thorough enough. Remember, we'll do whatever we got, whatever we can, whatever we need to do to get our way. Here's Diane Feinstein and Chuck Schumer on Thursday. It looks to be a product of an incomplete investigation that was limited, uh, perhaps by the White House. I don't know. We had many fears that this was a very limited process that would constrain the FBI from getting all the facts. Those fears have been realized. What was constrained for them to get the facts? Well, yeah, I don't know. And they're, and they're switching things around too. First, first, you know, there were the sexual allegations and then he got mad and now he's unstable because he's so mad, right? So, so you, get, you accuse the guy of like being a gang rapist and maybe that gets him upset and then you come out and complain that, look, he, he's getting angry. He can't control his emotions. Uh, did you hear about the ICE comment, by the way? 
that somebody said no i'm serious they somebody said they oh, threw, that he threw he threw some ice across he threw the, some ice across across a bar you know I, I heard that but i wasn't sure if they were talking about just recently or if this was something in college well, i don't know but i think the next thing that's come out is that he actually threw snowballs at his kids oh my god oh this was during his college years okay so <laughs> oh. this was in his college years so he threw ice across the bar so <laughs> yeah like what was somebody like in you know, again, this kind of stupidity. This is how bad it's getting when you're running out of things to accuse somebody he of. Was, he was because nothing else is sticking. He was in high. It was in high school, and he spit spit wads at the chalkboard from his seat with a with a plastic straw. Oh, a plastic straw! No, oh my mess. God! And who knows where that plastic straw ended up? It's definitely and, in the Atlantic Ocean, and, strangling some endangered turtle. Exactly. So, you know, if if this is if this is what the Democrats are turning this country into. And I will tell you that I know some people at my company or in my family or both that have uh, issues about why are we doing so much politics? You know what? You youngsters and you Democrats don't realize the precedent we're setting here and how important this is to your own lives. And when when I'm dead and gone and Scott's dead and gone and uh, and uh, Dan in the booth and Brooke, who's uh, who's who's part of our team. When we're all dead and gone, you kids are going to be here going, what happened? I don't know. What happened? Where did our country go? I don't know, because you guys weren't didn't think it was important in 2018. You go, well, it's not important. Let's not, let's not offend anybody. Guess what? The Democrats don't care about offending anybody, and that's, what, and that's where this is really dangerous. So when being asked about Kavanaugh in the White House Rose Garden press conference, uh, President Trump had quite a bit to say about Feinstein, who apparently thinks is Feinstein. I think she's on Prozac. At least. Diane Feinstein knew about this two months earlier. If she wanted a, a really thorough investigation, we had all the time in the world. She didn't have to wait till after the hearing was closed, essentially. She should have said, listen, I have a problem. I have this report. I'd like the FBI to look at it while we're doing the hearings. We had two months. No, she didn't do that. She waited till we were closed. And then she probably leaked it. But, you know, who am I to say? For you, for the Democrats, to be talking about we want more time for the FBI. If you wanted more time for the FBI, why didn't Dianne Feinstein bring this up? Now, you know that she showed this to other Democrats. She's not the only one. She showed this to other Democrats. There were more than just her that knew about this big confidential thing. It was confidential until the hearing was over. After the hearing was over, they went public. Why didn't they do it during the hearing? And we could have had all the time in the world. You know why? Because they're dishonest people. Yep, I would agree. And, um, and if you remember correctly, Dianne Feinstein was one of the people on the, on the committee asking Kavanaugh questions. And she'd get, I think it was 20 minutes at a time at that, at that, uh, at that hearing. So while she's asking questions, she'd say, well, you know, you mentioned this about Roe versus Wade being, uh, being, uh, established, uh, established law. And, uh, and you said this, but can we revisit that? And every time she got the mic, she asked the same freaking question over and over. She had this in her possession for a couple of months before that. If this was a concern, she could have asked it on one of those 20 minute things. Say, Hey, you know what? You know, we got somebody, somebody sent me a letter saying that you, uh, you tried to rape her in a, in a party. in when you were in high school, I know that's a long time ago, but you know, what do you, what do you have to say about that? And she held off until 
until it, it got to uh till it got to where maybe it didn't look so good and okay let's let's pull this out now and she did that and then you got Cory Booker Spartacus tried to do his thing and every I'm sure everybody there knew about it like President Trump said said uh, hey she's not the only one you know she showed it to others they probably everybody on the committee knew it right it, yeah not only that, but it looks like the whole thing's kind of backfiring because again even the Democrats realize. I think at this point, they're not admitting it, of course, but they realize there's just nothing there. And we're going to find out tomorrow. Actually, you know, we're taping Friday. Tomorrow's the big vote, Ed. Yep. It's a big vote. What, what say you, Ed? Is this guy going to get confirmed or the not? Vote, the vote after the vote. No, this is, yeah, we're already done with the cloture vote. Now we're going to do the real vote. The real vote. I, I, think, what do you he, think? I think he's going to go because, you know, and we, and we just- Don't mean he's going to be confirmed? Yeah, he'll be confirmed. All right. Yeah, and we just watched uh, Susan Collins want to have a big stammer press. on for about a half an hour. Yeah, exactly. About nothing. If not, if not, she's oh, probably still stammering. It's painful to listen to that. Yeah, just, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, worth. Now you're making fun of. So he's gonna say he's gonna. So Joe Manchin has said he's uh, he's voting yes tomorrow. Um, I also, I actually like Joe Manchin um, because he's got the guts to do what's right, even though it's against his party. And uh, so I like that guy. I just think he should change parties i agree it's like but and i do if he end up if he actually well we'll wait and see ed right we're not gonna we're not gonna count our chickens before they've hatched here we'll wait and see but i think for yeah for a democrat in this kind of environment for a democrat to come out in favor of this nominee i'd say it's, it's pretty gutsy yeah and i'd say follow the money follow the money and mansion wants to keep his job so mm. he wants to stay in that mansion so like uh so like uh, sean flynn said there's there's a there's a sizable paycheck that goes with that position so uh, he wants to keep it. Well, yeah, and these guys supposedly make, you know, like 170000 a year, and yet they all retire multimillionaires. How does that happen, Ed? I don't know. What, what do they get a little extra on the side there? I, all that insider training deals that they uh, seem to be able to partake or the, in? All the, or all the lobbying money that they get. Probably. I know. They get all kinds of stuff. The president also had some interesting things to say about uh, the Democrat senators, including one that just might be, might be talking about his former friend, uh, New York uh, crying Chuck Schumer. You know, what happened? They're going back to high school and they're saying he drank a lot one evening in high school. We, you know, I, I tell you what, I happen to know some United States senators, one who is on the other side, who's pretty aggressive. I've seen that person in very bad situations. OK, I've seen that person in very, very bad situations, somewhat compromising. And, you know, uh, I think it's very unfair to to bring up things like this. You know what? Him talking about Schumer as a very aggressive. Your, that's your assumption, Ed. I didn't hear that name mentioned. Either did I. But you know, he <laughs> said he said that he's a, a very aggressive, and I'm just oh. and even though Schumer is a is a, a raging butthead, mm -hmm. um, I still have a I still have a hard time thinking of him as aggressive because he talks like, oh, I don't know, someone who's not very tough. I'm trying to think of a word I could say on the on the radio, but he doesn't he doesn't talk talk like a very masculine fella. Mm. He sounds like kind of a, um, you know, he sounds like <laughs> he, he sounds like a girly man. You know, I I think what, what the more we see um, things like this Kavanaugh saga, we, we realize that there's just a lot of stupid people in Washington, Ed. Just a lot of stupid people and representing on, us and, and we'll, running the country, man. Yeah, and, and especially in our state. Yeah. He also pointed out that senators like uh, Richard Blumenthal. Uh, we know him as Dick Blumenthal and uh, Cory Booker. Uh, we know him as Spartacus. Have have a lot of nerve considering their own histories. There are bad reports on everybody. I'm looking at people. I'm sort of look at some of these people asking the questions. Okay, 
Look at Blumenthal. He lied about Vietnam. He didn't just say, hey, I went to Vietnam. No, no. For 15 years, he said he was a war hero. He fought in Da Nang province. We call him Da Nang Richard. Da Nang. That's his nickname. Da Nang. He never went to Vietnam. And he's up there saying, we need honesty and we need integrity. This guy lied when he was the attorney general of Connecticut. He lied. I don't mean a little bit. And then when he got out, he actually dropped out of the race and he won anyway because Democrats always win in Connecticut. I mean, take a look at Cory Booker. He ran Newark, New Jersey into the ground. He was a horrible mayor. And he made statements that when he was in high school or college, what he was doing, he actually made the statements. And now he's talking about Judge Kavanaugh. And I could go through a whole list of them, okay? Yeah, we talked about uh, Booker's little thing saying that he tried to get to second base or third base with some. It was first base and it was unsuccessful, as I recall it. Yeah, he hit his mark. And yeah. We were wondering who, what mark he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, this is got, I mean, this candid kind of talk has got to be almost kind of embarrassing to these guys. Do you think they're like cringing when they're hearing this stuff coming out of the president's mouth? Or maybe I would. they don't care. I would. And you I'd know, be kind of embarrassed. And you know, when uh, Donning Dick, I mean, Donning oh. uh, Richard, um, uh, not to be confused with the long duck dong. Exactly. Hey, the dong, I need a food. So, uh, you know, when. When you talk about about this guy and he's saying that he was in Da Nang in in Vietnam, I think the military guys call that as stolen valor, and they really, they really, it's it's really looked down on that. I know when we were uh, talking about uh, um, Andrew Botrell, we raised money for Andrew Botrell, Botrell, who is a uh, a uh, triple amputee that we donated money to help uh, to help uh, build his smart home for. And we did one uh, one flyer for our uh, for our charity event, and we mentioned that he was part of SEAL Team Ten. And he said, "No, you can't put that. That's stolen valor." He goes, "I wasn't part of. I was embedded with SEAL Team Ted. So SEAL Team Ten was there, and my and my uh, my uh, he was Navy uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal Tech. He was he was embedded with them. He said, "You can't you can't put in there that I was part of SEAL Team Tech." Uh, 10 i was just embedded with them and so you know they're very sensitive about saying you're something you're not so uh now that it's now it's apparent that the fbi is uh has found nothing to back up blazy ford's claims uh against kavanaugh there's a third accuser and we'll, we'll remember the the second accuser was uh was uh ramirez i forget what her first name is um then and she said that she said that uh we talked about this last week that that uh, Blazy or that uh, that Kavanaugh showed showed his Anthony Weiner to her at some party, but then she doesn't. She's got it's sketchy. She's not really sure. It's taken her all this time of a uh, of a uh, therapy to figure out if it was really him, and they just convinced her it was him, so she'd come out. She's uh, unreliable. But now uh, the third accuser, Julie Swetnick's story is falling apart too. Now we find out that she never saw people who attacked her because the room was too dark. But because Brett Kavanaugh was there, he had to be one of them. Here she is on an NBC interview this week. I remember that I started not to feel very well. And next thing I know, I was shoved into a room and I'm having my clothes torn in different directions. I was physically assaulted in every way you could possibly physically assault a woman. Everyone is wondering if one of those people was Brett Kavanaugh. I cannot specifically say that he was one of the ones who assaulted me, but before this happened to me at that party, I saw Brett Kavanaugh there, I saw Mark Judge there, 
and they were hanging about the area where I started to feel disoriented. Well, I can't tell you that it was Ronald McDonald, but on the way to the party, we stopped at McDonald's and there was a Ronald McDonald statue there. I'm thinking I'm going to file charges. Yeah. This uh, we saved the best for last as far as the accusers, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one is just such a crock. It's such a crock. I mean, and this is a friendly interview, by the way, that's exactly. going south. Exactly. Even uh, NBC's Kate Snow had to admit Swet Swetnick changed her story about what she did and didn't see Brett Kavanaugh do. And her, her uh, now her so-called friends at the party couldn't be located. In that statement, Swetnick said she became aware of efforts by Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge to spike punch at parties. In our interview, she said she saw them near the punch, but did not specifically say she saw either man spike it. Did you see Brett Kavanaugh, you know, spiking the punch? Putting well, I, I, saw, I saw him giving red solo cups to quite a few girls during that time frame. I saw him around the punch. I won't say bowls or the punch containers. I don't know what he did, but I saw him buy them. Are there friends who remember these parties too and remember oh, you? Oh, I think going. everybody in the county remembers those parties. Because we, have, we haven't heard from those friends, so I'm asking, you know, are there people yes, alive I, today yes, who I have, say, I, yes, I, have, I went yes. to those parties with Yes, you. there are people that know about those parties. This morning, Swetnick provided four names of friends she says went to the parties with her. One of them said he does not recall a Julie Swetnick. Another of the friends she named is deceased. We've reached out to the other two and haven't heard back. Red Solo Cup, I fill you up, let's have a party. Yep, that's the truth. There were red solo cups out there that proves you're guilty. Hey, we're all out of we're all out of time for this episode of the main event. We had a lot more uh, juicy stuff to tell you, but we're out of time. So everybody, uh, fill up your red solo cup. Get your uh, your and drink keg. to the new nominee. Drink to the new nominee. Toast. We'll uh, by the red time you're off. hearing this, it uh, hopefully will be done, and we can get on with the rest of uh, American business, folks. Thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. That's Scott McAfee over there. We'll be back again with you next week. The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate. Broker license number 01147747. NMLS 9873. And California Finance Lenders license number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 096199.